Bow your heads with me and let's talk to the Lord, this great Lord who does hold all our tomorrows in his hand. He holds us in his hand right now, this very moment, present here with us, in a way coming to visit with us one by one. So our prayer is, dear Lord Jesus, in this season of gratitude, thankfulness, and thanksgiving, you would stir our hearts. Lift us out of the mundane and the merely traditional and warm us as we seek your face and share our hearts with you and express to you our deep, deep gratitude for all that you have given to us and done for, for us, all that you have brought us through, all by faith that you will lead us to. So take my lips, dear Lord Jesus, and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our wills and bend them to your own. And take our hearts and set them on fire with love for yourself. We pray this for your namesake. Amen. Well, in our series on a better way of giving, we're coming this morning to talk about the motivation more so than the amount. And the image of Jesus sitting teaching, actually warning already before he ever gets to the scene of the giving in the temple offering, warning about hypocrisy, warning about doing things just to be seen by people and motivated by that, by honor, by people thinking we are something more than we really are. Nobody likes show-offs. Nobody, and that includes God. So the image of the wealth that was being given at the time of the offering, Jesus, with those who were his disciples and others he was teaching, saw the wealthy come and pour in huge amounts. Now bear in mind, they didn't have credit cards. They didn't write checks. Their gifts in kind would have been brought some other way, some other time. But when it came to real money, they brought real money and tipped real money, mostly coins, not paper, I think it would be true to say all coins. So if you come with a whole sack full of money and tip it in, that's quite a drama. (coughs) So Jesus saw the very rich doing that. There is an image that's created by Jesus in his teaching very similar to this. It's in the Sermon on the Mount. Chapter 6 and verse 2. 
He says this, when you give to the needy, to the poor, do not announce it with trumpets. That's blowing your own horn, as we would say nowadays. I think they may literally have had people blow the trumpet in order to announce a major gift. I guess we have a similar deal on television, whether it's at a football stadium or somebody making a major gift, or we take a photograph for the newspapers, and they have a mock check with X number of dollars on it. Jesus said that's not the way. This is what he says. Don't announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. To be generous... Because you will note, and I remember Pastor Jared making this point last week. It's not if you give, it's when you give. The giving is assumed. So it's not when you give, excuse me, if you give, it's when you give. Don't make any big announcement. Quietly between you and the Lord. That's a battle we all go through. We do, most of us, want people to know what we've accomplished, especially if we're doing something great for God. Us pastors are no different to let people know our triumphs in ministry even to let other pastors know how great we are in some fashion. You drop a little hint here and there. God is not pleased with show-offs. So how do you change that motivation? Because here the rich came and they gave large amounts and then this woman came and the old translation, the old King James Version going back to the 1600s, called the mites, M-I-T-E-S. You've heard about the widow's mite. She had these two little copper coins. The old translation says mites. They are minute little copper coins. When you go to the Holy Land today, you can get yourself a mite, They try to sell them to you as authentic from the time of Jesus. And you would like to believe it. They have great forgeries. But if you go to a wealthy jewelers, they will give you the mite encased in silver or gold, set so that you can hang it on a necklace, and some of you may have such a little copper coin, but enshrined is the memory of this woman by the very setting which we have it in today, gold or silver, and hanging around the neck, the widow's mite. That's what's described here. 
And Jesus said, of that widow, whose two little pennies were absolutely inconsequential to the gift size of the very, very wealthy. But what was Jesus' comment? She has given more than the rest who gave out of their great wealth because she gave all that she had. Now she could say to herself, as we might with our smaller gifts, what difference is that going to make? We'll come to that a little later on in the service. But you can say that and then by hold back your gift and say, I'll let the very wealthy take the brunt of this. I can't afford to give as they can give. That is true. We can't afford to give as the very wealthy. But of course, you and I both know that a large percentage of this world would love to have it as poor as our most poor people here in the USA. We are, you and me, we are wealthy. We live in comfort and security. In a beautiful church like this, we worship. This woman gave all she had. What would motivate her to do that? Because everything else would militate against it. It's nothing in comparison to what the rich people can give. And I have great personal needs. Where do you get that motivation? It is a miracle of God's grace, what the Bible calls a gift of generosity. It is a gift. My wife and I thank God continually for two people. I'm not going to name them. They're not living now. We've buried both of them. One was very wealthy and one was very workaday ordinary. But they both had this gift of generosity. Both of them equally. One was able to give great amounts out of her great wealth and the other just small amounts out of their small income even in their retirement, living on social security. It's a gift. How do you have the Lord change your heart that you and I, together, might have that gift of generosity, glad to give? I remember speaking joyfully about the gift of generosity several weeks ago and suggested that when you're out in a restaurant, you might actually buy somebody else's Pay somebody else's bill for lunch. Do you remember that? I suggested if you see me, it would be a good time to do it. Do you remember that? You remember that? Well, this past week, Pastor Barry Mariana and his wife, Kathy, and their daughter, son-in-law, and a grandchild were having dinner together at a fairly nice restaurant. I was surprised that Pastor Barry would splurge like that, to tell you the truth. (laughs) And who should be across the restaurant but a high school minister, Pastor Doug Rarig and his wife Bethany. Ding! Light goes on in Barry's head, talks about it with Kathy, 
And they asked the wait staff to come over and say they wanted to pay Pastor Doug's dinner bill. So when Pastor Doug and Bethany got up to pay, there was no bill to be paid. Happiness. Guess what? A family near Pastor Barry heard what he had done. And when Pastor Barry, who had a big bill to pay, (laughs) went to pay, there was nothing to pay. Somebody had paid his. How do you like those apples? And then Pastor Barry went on to tell me, he said, not only so, he said, you talk about not being able to outgive God. He said, I went to rent a storage space and the guy gave it to me for as long as I needed it. Wouldn't take any money. Wouldn't sign a contract. He said, you can just have it and use it. Doesn't that warm your heart? Just the whole idea of that kind of spontaneous, almost random giving? That's a heart set. That's a mindset. That's a disposition. That's the grace of God. And that we might have that heart, not for a moment like this, where we're making pledges and bringing forth our gifts of groceries for the poor, but that it's a mindset, it's a heart set, it's a way of life to have that motivation. I would have to say, this widow who came with her two copper coins, her two mites, exhibited a sense of gratitude and awe that she could even come to the temple and make that gift. How do you get that? Well, there are some things that God does for us by way of teaching and his spirit at work in us as we hear that teaching that we set our hearts on what his mindset is. In that very same chapter that I read from Matthew, chapter 6, when you get down to verse 33, it says this, to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then in doing that, in pursuing him first, having him to be your vision and your horizon, to turn your face upon him toward Jesus and worship him and love him, not for a moment in time, but as a lifestyle. To seek first his kingdom. Everything else God will provide for you. You cannot outgive God. But to trust him. To get there in the first place. That his spirit would give us his mindset to seek him first. And his kingdom. What he's about. His agenda. To be driven in our life, our thinking, our ambition. To see God's kingdom come, his will be done, here on earth, through our giving, praying, witnessing, sharing what God has given to us. Passing it on. Passing it forward. To seek 
that kingdom first, to be our driving force. Secondly, to encourage that mindset, to again remind ourselves what he has done for us out of gratitude. Out of gratitude. Thanksgiving from a thankful heart. It's one thing to be thankful, but then to give thanks, thanksgiving. To go from a heart full of thankfulness to thanksgiving. The giving of it underline. That we're giving thanks out of gratitude for what he has done for us. And the Bible said, he who was rich, that is Jesus beyond all measure, all for our sakes became poor, that we through his poverty, coming as he did, might become rich. And what do we inherit in that richness? Heaven is our real home. The forgiveness that allows us to go to heaven. I am so grateful that God has forgiven me. The stuff I've done, thought, said and been a part of over my life is disgusting. Every time I even reflect on it, I am so almost in despair and shame as I think about that I could have done that. And then to realize I am forgiven. And in that forgiveness, there's a word in the Bible, justified, justification. It's a theological term, which means I exchange all my filth for all his righteousness. I become cloaked in, covered in, the righteousness of Jesus. He takes my filth, he took that on the cross, and he gives me as a gift his righteousness. I can't earn it. It's received as a gift at the cross. So that when the Father looks at me, he sees Jesus. I am so grateful that my past is done, obliterated, and buried. And that Christ has taken me so that I am in Christ. And when the Father looks at me, he sees me looking like Jesus. Are you grateful for that? That kind of gratitude stimulates a vision for God's kingdom. Because it's not about us at that point, but it's about how we can return in God's honor out of a sincere gratitude for what he's given us and done for us, that change of heart and mind that says, I'm living for you now, Lord. You bought me with a price. I am not my own. I belong to you. And your agenda is my agenda. Your goals for my life, I want to be my goals. And we invest in such. And out of gratitude, we do that. I tell you, this week, I was so grateful. It was Friday, so it wasn't this week. It was actually like a couple of days ago. Kathy and I were going out to celebrate our anniversary, and we do so with another couple whose anniversaries fall on the same week. Anniversary falls on the same week. 
And I was driving over the top of Sir Wickley, and there's a place where it changes from 35. I'm looking at our magistrate down on the front pew here. To 25. And I missed it. I was in a hurry. But I missed that. When it's 35, you can get away with 40. When it's 25, you are in trouble at 40. And sure enough, can you imagine it? On my way to celebrate my anniversary with my wife, the two of us, a couple of lovebirds in the seat driving along, the lights come on behind us, pull us over on our way to the dinner. Out comes the policeman, very pleasant. (laughs) I guess under these circumstances, I would be having a lot of fun myself, but very pleasant. And uh, takes my driver's license, my ownership, my insurance, goes back, sits in the car for what seemed an eternity. Came back, he said, uh, you were doing 41 miles an hour. That amounts to a $175 fine. And four points. But I'm only going to give you a warning he said. (laughs) He gave me the warning and uh, you realize that a warning is it's all over, it's done, you're off the hook. In fact, that's where we were going to eat, off the hook. We were off the hook. Whoa. Kathy chirped up. She said, God bless you, officer. She got all spiritual on him now. (laughs) But we were so grateful. I went to dinner. I said to the other couple, I've just gotten off of a $175 fine. I'm buying dinner. (laughs) Do you get it? Sheer gratitude. And my 175 bucks is a pittance in comparison to what Jesus has done for me. Out of gratitude, inspires a vision to be in his team. And one last thing. To meet a need. That's kingdom oriented. In other words, there are real needs. I mean, I love the way Pastor Jared was promoting light the night. You need to be here. It'll be all a backdoor way of inviting your friends to hear about Jesus and the wonder of what Jesus has done in the lives of little boys and girls and teenagers on the north side of Pittsburgh. Because you will be blown away. And so will they. And at the heart of it, when you hear Pastor Ed talk about the power that changes their lives available to us, it's brilliant. But to meet those kinds of needs, we're about to commit to a major ministry now in the Dominican Republic. And that will include as many of you as want to be a part of it. And it'll be as huge, if it may be even bigger than whatever we did in Uganda over the last decade or so. And we've done an awful lot there. But to give to the need... When you're focused on the kingdom, you see how it works. When you're focused on God's priorities, out of gratitude in the second place of what he's done for you, you see the needs of how you can be a part of that same 
mission and you give accordingly. And it's like you put it into his nail-pierced hands and say, bless, Lord, that others may come within the reach of your embrace, that those same nail-pierced hands will bless others to give to that need. Let me read this to you because it's quite extraordinary. And it comes back to the two copper coins of the poor, poor widow. A little girl was crying outside a small church in Philadelphia because she'd been turned away saying it was too crowded in the Sunday school and there was no room for her in the Sunday school. And as she was crying and walking away, the pastor was arriving at the church and he saw her crying and asked her what was up and she said, there's no room for me in the classroom. Well, seeing her shabby, unkempt appearance, and here I read, the pastor guessed the real reason she had been denied entrance and taking her by the hand, took her inside, found a place for her in the Sunday school class. Some two years later, This child lay dead in one of the poor tenement buildings in Philadelphia. And the parents called for the kind-hearted pastor who had befriended their daughter to talk with him about the final arrangements. When they had moved her body, her little body, from the bed where she died, they found a little red purse with 57 cents in it and a note and the note read this to help build the little church bigger so that more children can go to Sunday school so for two years these 57 pennies represented her saving this little girl the pastor took that little purse and the 57 cents to the pulpit and said we need to build a larger church and more Sunday school space and read the note of the little girl showed the purse and the 57 cents this got broadcast in the newspaper and a very wealthy landowner offered them a huge tract of land to build on they said they couldn't afford the price he said I'll sell it to you for 57 cents they built a church and you can go and see that church today in Philadelphia it's Temple Baptist Church it seats 3,300 people You can look at Temple University built from Temple Baptist Church through which thousands of students have gone that started with that 57 cents. And the picture of that little girl hangs at this church in Sunday school space today alongside it, the, the, the portrait of the pastor who took her into the classroom, whose name is Russell Conwell and today in New England there is a seminary called the Gordon Conwell Theological College or seminary and the Conwell in that title is this pastor 
because he built a seminary in Philadelphia as well, beginning with the 57 cents. And all that that inspired, and that that seminary united with the one in New England and they put the names together, Gordon Seminary, Comwell Seminary. Don't ever think that your pennies, your small contribution is not a part of God's big picture. When we bring what we have to him, and the wealth is relative. For that, that widow here, the two pennies was everything. Proportionately, she gave all she had, which Jesus said was greater than the wealth given by those who gave out of their exceeding great wealth. When your focus is on his kingdom and your heart is bursting with gratitude for what he's done for you and you ally yourself to his vision, his mission in this world and you bring and give to him what you have to give, watch out. Let's bow our heads and pray together. Oh Lord Jesus, Thank you for this widow, all down through the years now immortalized by a gift of two pennies. Thank you, Lord, for her. Thank you, Lord, for your love and mercy to us. For those who somewhere along the way gave and invested in your work that we got to hear about your kingdom and join ourselves to you, Lord Jesus. For the martyrs who laid down their lives, for the blood that's been shed around the world on behalf of your kingdom, pour out your spirit upon every investment, every gift, every sacrifice, every drop of sweat, blood, toil, and tears. That your kingdom may come and your will be done. And especially now as we come to give thanks and gratitude to you, to be done in your name, with what we have to bring, with what we have to give, to that which we have to commit. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen.